You are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with Anna Charles, episode 62. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Okay, so it's that time of year. If you have spent any time out and about right now, if you're anywhere where I am, you couldn't have missed the hearts, the teddy bears, the roses, the chocolates, and all the mention of wine and champagne. Because yes, Valentine's Day is on our door next week to be exact. Now I'm going to level with you. I'm personally not that fussed about Valentine's Day. Now, when I was young, especially when I was a teenager at school, it was more of a thing. But these days, I don't actually don't like the idea of being kind of told by society when it's time for romance. But of course, I love romantic dinners with my husband on any day of the year. So this whole topic about Valentine's Day and romance and alcohol, I think is an important one. And therefore talking about it around Valentine's Day seems entirely appropriate. So like I said, if you look around, you might well think that champagne and wine and Valentine's Day seem to all go hand in hand. But this isn't some natural law, right? It's a social construct and a commercial one. So no wonder so many people tell me they can't imagine Valentine's Day without wine or champagne at a romantic dinner with their partner. In fact, without the whole ritual of it. So that's what I want to talk about today. As we approach Valentine's Day this year, I want to arm you with strategies and tools to make this the best Valentine's Day ever. And by that, my friend, I mean the Valentine's Day that you want, not the one that you are told to seek by society. So first, let's talk about rituals, rituals in general. So one thing that rituals bring us is certainty. And I want you to think about why this is so important. It's because your brain wants to know. Why? Because certainty reduces the element of surprise. And certainty means safety and security. It's what we're programmed to seek. So how does this play out? Well, when it comes to things like routines and events, let's say like Valentine's Day, we go around saying things like, well, this is what we always do. It's Valentine's. It's a day of romantic gestures. There'll be a card with a big heart on it, maybe a dozen red roses, a box of fancy chocolates. That's the day when we we just get in a babysitter and we go out to dinner. We split a bottle of wine. It's what we do. Now, I don't mean to make this sound hollow and trite. I know that for many of you, this day is really important. But what I'm offering is that there's there's kind of a template for Valentine's Day, right? And whatever version of that template you have, that's what Valentine's Day is to you. And maybe you've been doing and saying the same thing for years. Only now you're looking at changing your alcohol intake you're deciding to be more intentional about your drinking, to cut back or even to give up entirely. So now change is in the air. And what you've always done is up for grabs, which is threatening to the brain. Because now you're no longer going to be going along with what you've always done. 
Now that's been upended and your brain is asking, well, what am I supposed to do now? So that's why you might be feeling a little bit wobbly and you might start to worry about missing out on the ritual of Valentine's Day. Because you know why? Your brain would prefer you just carry on doing the same thing as always. Because that's part of our base programming to be efficient. But I want to dig into more why the whole ritual behind the wine is so important. Not just the drinking bit of it, but everything that goes around it. And this again comes from our primitive brain's programming. Yes, better believe it. Because when the brain has an association with something that provides a huge dopamine hit, like alcohol, it memorizes the ritual and routine around it as being very important. It's just the way the brain was created. Now, go back in the day, cave days again, I talk about that a lot. If you were to be out on a walk and you found some fresh berries and they were really juicy and yummy and delicious, that brain, your brain is gonna notice everything around those berries. It's gonna pay super close attention to the root, the way you get there. It will go into hyper learning mode. It will know how far away from the cave it is. So all those things so that you can find it again because it knows those berries are good. So it wants to be able to get them again next time and not just find them, but to be efficient at finding them next time. Same thing is true in the modern day and you're not just with berries. So with alcohol, for instance, it's not just what you drink on Valentine's. It's the vibe in the restaurant and the tablecloths and the comfy seats and the maitre d' and feeling spoiled and the beautiful glass and perhaps the rustle of the bottle as it's pushed deep into the ice bucket. If you're a white wine drinker, like I was, our brains, they come to associate everything around drinking with the reward of the dopamine hit at the end of it. So that's why it can feel inevitable you're going to drink, even when you don't want to. If you have all of those elements that make up the experience, it's kind of like all of those elements are the, the wayfinders along a path that's leading you, you know, to the reward of the drink at the end of it. It's simply a conditioned response. That really is it. A romantic dinner on Valentine's Day with wine. If you have to have wine, that is simply a conditioned response. Now, go back a few years for me and I used to love everything about the ritual around drinking wine, right? The glass, the wine, when it was cold, just, just that whole vibe. I was never much of a red wine drinker. But if I was hanging out with friends who loved it, I have one friend in, a girlfriend in particular who loves red wine, I could really get into the enjoyment of them where they would decant the wine to let it breathe. Remember, they would sort of uh, pour the wine into that great decanter thing sort of an, at an angle and the way people would then cut big bowl-like glasses in their hands and swill it around and, you know, breathe in the smell and everything, right? I could get into loving that whole process, right? Even, even though I didn't actually particularly enjoy the taste of it. But really what I was loving, I can see now in that moment, was the false pleasure it was giving me. I would say things like, oh, this is such fun, right? It's such fun doing all of this. And I interpreted that as me loving the wine. But really all I was loving, even though all I was enjoying, was the reaction my brain was having. Now that doesn't sound so compelling, does it? It was because of the dopamine reaction I was having in my brain. Oh, I love my neurotransmitters overreacting. It really doesn't sound so romantic. 
So when people tell me, but Anna, I like the ritual of the wine. I just do. It's, it's too stark when there's no wine. How can you do that on Valentine's? Or they say, I just want to have the romantic connection with my partner. And we do that through wine. Now, I remember in the beginning feeling the same way. I remember it feeling so romantic. But now my husband and I, we just don't do this anymore. We never split a bottle, ever. Now, he may drink some wine. I usually have soda water. And I still think it's romantic to go out to dinner with him. The whole evening is no less romantic. And I will offer, I didn't think it was possible before. I really didn't think it was possible to have such a romantic dinner without sharing wine. So if that's where you are, here are the questions I have for you. And yes, I want you to write these down and really write your answers out on paper. And you can do this by, you know, pausing the podcast, if you like, or writing them down and, you know, going through this afterwards. But you know, really do put your thoughts on paper here. If you are somebody who says to the effect, you know, the, the Valentine's evening is more stuck when there's no wine there or it's less fun or whatever your interpretation is, why? Why is it let more stark, right? Second question, why is it less romantic? Really answer those questions. And, and, and by the way, it just is. Look out for that response. That does not, that is not a response. That's your brain keeping you doing the same old thing. Or if you say, I don't know, that's not a viable response either. Your brain is keeping you safe. Your brain wants to keep you in the habit, but you are not your brain. Your brain is a tool. So when you've answered those two, then want to ask, how do you make it not stark when you're out to dinner with your partner and there's no wine? How does opening up a bottle change that? Yes. And if you want that connection with your partner, here's a bit of a killer question. Ask, does alcohol really do that thing? Does alcohol really give you that connection with your partner? And even if you say, yes, Anna, yes, it does. Splitting a bottle with my husband is romantic. I don't care what you say. It creates that romantic connection for me. If you believe that totally and you want to stand behind that, my next question for you is, do you want alcohol to be responsible for that? Do you want alcohol to be responsible for their connection, for the fun? especially perhaps on Valentine's Day. Here's a follow-up. Does that mean that Valentine's Day with your partner and no wine is not romantic? Because in effect, that's what you're saying, right? Ooh, not so good. I want you to think about this. I want you to wonder, is it fun just to be with your husband? Just to be out with your husband on Valentine's Day, having a lovely meal, no wine. Is your partner just super fun and you don't need the wine? Or are you saying for it to be romantic, you need the wine? Now you can have the wine with your husband or your partner. Of course you can. Not against that. I just want to make sure you like your reasons for this. And I also want to recommend you try time with your husband without it. Maybe you can try that this year. Okay, but this is these sort of a surface level questions. I'd like to go a little deeper. Would you rather have the time with your partner without wine and have just as much fun? Or would you rather that the wine is what makes it fun? And really, I want you to think about what an easy fix wine is. 
it requires zero effort from you apart from buying or choosing the wine and in a restaurant frankly you don't even open do you it's just sort of chug 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 drink it down fun comes is that who you want to be do you want to be someone who outsources the achievement of romance to a bottle of wine trust me on this it's possible to enjoy life more than if you had the wine we use wine as a crutch if we're thinking you know you're not fun enough i'm not enough fun let's have some wine you know then we'll both be fun instead turn it around hey we're both fun who needs wine do you want to make things better by changing your thoughts instead of using alcohol to change those thoughts so to think dinner with your husband is romantic rather than using alcohol to think dinner with your husband is romantic so subtle so important now you could go ahead and do all of those things right you could decide yep i'm gonna stop outsourcing the fun to the alcohol i'm gonna decide that we're fun without you can do all of those things but you may still have a nagging fear of missing out i see this so often maybe you're thinking yes of course i can have a romantic time with my partner of course i can do that totally but then you're in the restaurant and you're looking around and you've still got this little bit of fear you know you're going to look around at all the other couples maybe they're spl splitting a bottle of red and they're laughing and maybe you think hmm are they having a better time than we are but if you're listening to this podcast if you're fearing you're going to miss out let me assure you that if you lose or reduce your desire to drink, then none of this matters, actually. And you can start this right away, right? It's so automatic to think, ah, oh, look at them. Look at them over there. They're leaning forward over the table with their glasses. They're chinking those red wine glasses or the champagne. Look at the fizz. We use that word, right? The fizz or the bubbles. Oh, it's so romantic, right? And these thoughts just appear in your brain and you they appear and you don't think that these are optional thoughts right you're you're just thinking okay this is just my personal preference right i just prefer to do that with my husband and i just i know i can see i prefer to have wine i'm going to try not to do it but that's just what i prefer but what i want to offer is that those thoughts are creating that preference go around thinking this stuff it's what you're going to prefer you can just as easily have a nice cup of tea with your husband yes you can and when you start to unpick your thoughts in this way and be more intentional and realize that you know you are these, these thoughts are all optional you start to decondition yourself not just from a dopamine but to decondition yourself from all the things around it right so now when i go into a restaurant i can appreciate someone having all of that pizzazz right but it's not so important to me because the feeling of romance comes from you comes from how you're thinking about your husband or your partner and the evening i get those feelings for myself i don't drink at all really anymore at all i get that sensation of romance simply by being with my husband and having thoughts about him that create those feelings in me now a question i get often is people say right i'm some you know i'm happy to do that i really want to try to do this but what about my partner right you might be thinking i mean what's valentine's day is all about our connection and our togetherness and he expects me to drink if i don't drink it's going to ruin his experience what i want to offer is that his experience of him or him with you 
on Valentine's Day is his experience. You're not responsible for that ever. And you can't change them anyway, right? You could go around to do everything possible to make him feel a certain way. If I do this, if I say this, if I drink this, if I say that, he's going to think, oh, it's so romantic. You have no guarantee that will happen. So let's say you go into Valentine's and, you know, you're not, you're deciding you're not going to split the bottle. Maybe you're just going to have a tonic water or maybe have a glass or whatever your, whatever your decision. Yes, he might think, oh, she's being less fun. He might think this isn't so romantic, but he might think, oh, goody, more for me. He might think, oh, thank goodness, she's drinking less for once. Maybe he won't even notice and he'll just sit thinking, I love her exactly how she is. Right? You don't control any of that though. So stop acting as though you do. Just saves time. Instead, I want you to imagine going out to dinner with your husband, not sharing the wine and having the evening be as good as any night. Because we think wine is making things better, but it isn't. So how could you make that true for yourself? Here's another take on this, another slight angle in case this resonates with you. Right, this, this drinking thing, splitting a bottle, this is a pattern. Now, many people will tell me that of course they don't have to have alcohol to make it fun. Of course they like their partner without, but the wine just seems to make it better if, if you do drink, right? And we believe that because of our experience with that. So it's kind of a, a slight modification of, of thought around what makes the thing fun. So I want you to allow yourself to consider, right? There's a possibility you could have this wonderful bonding time with your husband on Valentine's Day, and it could be just as good without the alcohol. And then all things being equal, which do you want in your life? Which way would you like to go? Okay, so with all that being said, what do I do this Valentine's Day, you might be saying? That's probably what you're thinking right now. How should I spend the day, right? Because we all know our actions don't just happen. Our actions are connected to what we're thinking and to what we're feeling. So this Valentine's, instead of thinking whether you're gonna, you know, specifically focusing on if you're gonna drink or not or what you'll drink, I want you to think about creating a Valentine's Day ritual from the standpoint of how you want to feel. How we do that is remove the people from the equation. So remove the husband from the equation, remove the rituals, remove the alcohol, remove any of the traditions you have, right? Just delete it all, all the expectations, clean slate. How would you choose to feel on that day? Do you want to feel connected, content, generous, delighted, caring? Now, how would you go about creating those feelings and that experience if all of what you're used to was unavailable? Right, if the wine wasn't available to create those feelings, what would you do? What you would do is you'd have to put way more attention into what you're thinking about, right? And to choose to decide to think things on purpose because otherwise your brain is going to complain. <laughs> it's going to tell you everything that's wrong and everything that shouldn't be happening. And we know that we, this happens all the time. This is our negative, negative confirmation bias. Your brain will not be showing you that you can be more present and more connected to your husband by virtue of having a clearer head, right? So you can listen to him more, uh-uh. Your brain is not gonna be telling you that. Your brain is gonna go to, you'll be less connected. Because that's the thing we, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the way we go towards, because we go towards pleasure and we wanna do it as easy as possible. And we know that wine gives us that. 
So this is the challenge, this deciding how you want to think and feel on the day to create your experience. The challenge is really to step into a place of actively creating what you want and how you want to feel. For you to take a starring, the starring and active role in it. For you to be responsible for your experience. Don't delegate it to the alcohol or even to your partner. Just you by how you approach the day. Because whether you do this or not, right, the day is still going to unfold but it will be with your unconscious mind in control. You won't be being intentional. It's where you'll revert to automatic behavior and we all know where that ends up. But that's not gonna be the case this year because this year you're in the driving seat and you're gonna create the experience you want and you're gonna decide the role alcohol plays in that. Okay, that's it for this week. I do wish you a wonderful Valentine's next week the most romantic romantic of times and write to me let me know how you get on anna at 90dayslater.co okay that's it for now and i'll see you next week if you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol let's talk i help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6 p.m rolls around and they don't miss out on life. And we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.